Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference. And now in its 29th year on the air, thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. If you were thinking of buying a low-priced Chevy Silverado battery electric pickup truck when they come to market next year, well, you might want to think again. There's a lot going on in EV truck land these days, and we'll give you the details later in this segment. America on the Road is brought to you by DrivingToday.com, YourTestDriver.com, YamLancy.com, the publisher of my latest book, Dance in the Dark, and of course, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. I'm Jack Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague, editor of yourtestdriver.com. Chris, you're in the middle of summer now. Uh, how has summer been going for you guys? Summer is warming up, Jack. It's at the point of time where my 243-year-old house is starting to, all the wood smells are coming out. We have no air conditioning, so it's time to put the air conditioners in because it's going to get hot. As you longtime listeners know, Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and how you can get the most for your automotive dollar. Of course, we review a couple of vehicles each week. Let's talk a little bit more about the news, though. Two big names in performance cars are teaming up for what should be an exciting collaboration. We'll tell you what brands we're talking about and what their plans are coming up. I, I'm pretty excited about this, Chris. I, this this looks cool. This looks like a, a meeting of, of two companies that maybe were destined to get together. I think that's, that's pretty neat. In the True Crime Files Automotive Edition, the highest German federal court has ruled that the companies responsible for Dieselgate owe their customers compensation. So we're talking about Volkswagen and uh, Mercedes-Benz, among others. It could cost them tens of millions of dollars. We'll tell you more later in this segment. Of course, the Major Dieselgate was around Volkswagen, but then it was discovered others were doing similar kinds of things. Of course, reviewing cars is one of the things we do best. Chris, what vehicle are you going to tell us about this week? I was driving the 2023 Nissan Frontier Pro 4X, Jack. It's a very nice pickup truck. Yeah, I want to hear your uh, take on that. I've been writing a lot about those midsize pickup trucks. You know, this I think 2024 is going to be the year of the midsize pickup truck. And um, I think Nissan got a, a bit of a head start with the Frontier, so curious as to what you have to say about that. I'll be discussing a vehicle that has been a mainstay at Chrysler for a long, long time. I mean, they claim to have invented the minivan, and I'm talking about the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. It's a plug-in hybrid, and uh, 
We used the Pacifica to haul back home all the things that my daughter had accumulated up in her college apartment, among other things this year, uh, this uh, this week. So we'll tell you about that, how that went at the road test. We have an interesting guest for you. We talk a lot about infotainment uh, on the show. And Brad Gieske is chief UX designer at Dodge. I think we're both uh, proponents of the Stellantis UX system, so we'll talk with him about that. It's important to many of us. In, in a lot of ways, it's important, more important than the engine performance and, and handling these days. So we'll talk with him about that in the, the 2023 Dodge Hornet as well. Before we do anything else, though, let's, let's dive into the news. And a lot going on on the EV truck front there's a story here about uh, Chevy Silverado EV. One of the things it talks about is the fact that the EV trucks, oh, GM's EV trucks, won't have Tesla-compatible charge ports initially, and maybe for a year or so. And that's that's getting to be an issue, isn't it, Chris? It is. You know, both GM and Ford stepped out to make these these very significant sweeping announcements. But, you know, you have to think about the time of development for some of these things. You know, they've got a uh, first of all, engineer the plug into their own platform. GM's got Ultium, and they're investing very heavily in that platform. So uh, I can see why it would take years. It's just uh, from customer perception standpoint, that announcement made it seem like, you know, things are going to start changing next year and the year beyond for a lot of these vehicles. Yeah, and you'd, you'd wish that they could do this sooner. I mean, it's getting to be kind of the standard out there, standard for fast charging, the the uh the Tesla superchargers, and you'd like to believe that the 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 non-Teslas could could use that. I think they're opening up a, a lot of these, or part of the supercharger network, to non-Tesla vehicles. But um, it's going to take a while, and you're going to have to use an adapter, and it's going to be kind of clumsy. Uh, the other announcement, though, that came along with this, and I think in a lot of ways this is the bigger announcement, is there was going to be essentially an entry-level Silverado EV Priced around forty thousand dollars, you know they had claimed thirty nine thousand dollars. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, in fact, it's likely that the entry level price is going to be maybe ten, twenty, twenty thousand dollars more than that. And even with things changing and inflation going on, it's hard to believe that costs went up that much. But maybe so. I mean, what's your take on that? Well, I'm not all that surprised. The Ford Lightning, the F-150 Lightning Pro, what didn't they step out and say, "Hey, look, it's going to be 39 grand," and then six months later it was 47,000, and now it's you know I think it's probably above 50 now for the the entry level truck. But uh, I think that might be a risk with announcing these vehicles. You know what? The Silverado was announced two and a half years before it actually goes on sale. I mean, there are long legs on some of these announcements, so I can't imagine an, an economist at GM didn't step out, didn't stand up and say, "Hey, uh, this could be a problem." But uh, you know. Man, for the buyer, it's got to be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, GM has jumped in, uh, you know, with both feet on electric vehicles. And then to have prices change so significantly. Uh, and when prices go up, I mean, that just prices a lot of people out of the market or they decide something else is, is a better take. I, I mean, I give you an example. They're going to come to market pretty soon with a 2024 Silverado work truck. So kind of low level truck, mostly for fleet customers. It's priced at $77,000, $78,000. I mean, Typically, uh, businesses are buying work trucks, I think, more like $40,000 or $50,000 as opposed to in the $70,000 range. They're going to have a slightly lower priced truck. And then the uh, Silverado EV RST that's going to be for consumers, $105,000. I mean, I, I'm kind of scratching my head going, well, you have some alternatives 
that are pretty good, maybe not all electric, but if you're going to spend another twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars for these trucks, I mean, uh, you're liable to take your business elsewhere or do something different. I mean, uh, at least that's my take on it. Yeah, that's a tough sell, Jack. I mean, even at the the seventy thousand dollar price point, you got to look. That's a pretty decked out gas Silverado right there for that amount of money, and a pretty decked out Ford F one fifty and and so on. You know, I get that fleets and governments, the the government will still give uh, fleet customers a an incentive, a tax incentive for some of these purchases, but uh, I can't imagine that that bottom line is going to look kindly upon that extra purchase, even if it does reduce their gas and operating costs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, General Motors isn't alone. Ford has seen the F-150 Lightning uh, or has raised the price on that, maybe $20,000 for the base truck, up to close to 60, 60 grand. So it isn't just uh, General Motors, but wow. I mean, uh, this is making me wonder about uh, the, you know, the quote-unquote economies of scale we're supposed to see that are going to bring the prices of EVs down. I mean, we're just not seeing that up till now. And uh, in fact, quite the contrary. It's kind of pushing it in a different way. I'm going to say the more we see, the more they cost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, here, here's the team up that we were talking about. And we kind of teased without giving you the names of the two companies. But it's Aston Martin and uh, Lucid Motors have uh, signed a... Uh, an agreement to work together. And I think this just works wonderfully well. I mean, I know the Lucid folks pretty well. I've, I've driven the Lucid Air a, a couple of times and uh, I'm really, really impressed with the powertrain, actually with the entire car. I think it's a terrific car. And then you have Aston Martin, a legendary name, uh, name uh, very important still in racing, teaming up to uh, make electric supercars. I think this is awesome. I, uh, what's your feeling about that? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic partnership. I mean, if you look at Lucid, they've got some of the most impressive powertrains and battery ranges of any automaker on the planet. And for Aston Martin, they've teamed up with Mercedes-AMG and others over the years on engines and everything else. So this is a natural step for them. And it's going to be necessary too, right? Because you've got Porsche and Bugatti. I guess Bugatti's a little bit, quite a bit higher, the, the price spectrum there. But uh, they've teamed up with Ramatz, who has been you know, one of the preeminent supercar makers of electric vehicles. So uh, they've got some pretty strong competition. But I think Aston Martin has the pieces in place and Lucid's a great company to be there. Yeah, I mean, this kind of reminds me of uh, probably 20 years ago or close to 20 years ago when Tesla was kind of just an, in its infancy. And I asked the folks at Tesla, why do you want to compete against these gigantic car companies that are well-established when you could sell technology to those car companies if you have proprietary technology that's great? And, you know, obviously Elon Musk was a lot smarter than I was because he became a super billionaire, you know, multi-billionaire by not following my advice. But um, I think this probably will work really well for Lucid. You know, it's difficult to establish a new brand. So so to kind of spread your costs over more brands and have strategic partnerships, I think makes a heck of a lot of sense. Yeah, and Aston Martin's a very low volume production uh, partner here. So they're not going to be producing millions of these drive units every year. So I think it's a, it's a good step, as you say. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Dieselgate because there's uh, been a new ruling from the German high court uh, saying that Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz, uh, might owe millions of euros, millions of dollars, to owners of vehicles who might feel they were defrauded by faulty um, emissions equipment on these cars that weren't, weren't providing actually what they 
were uh, deemed to provide or required to provide by by law. It'll be interesting to see if this is going to extend beyond Germany. But even if it's only in Germany, this could, could cost these companies a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the uh, the scandal here in America with the buybacks and everything that was it was massively expensive for them. So if they have to go through another round of that or anywhere near that in Europe, it's going to be a very stout payday from from them. Yeah, and of course you're driving a Volkswagen now. That's your your latest pride and joy. So you know you don't want anything terrible to happen to that brand, I imagine. Well, it's not diesel, so I'm not going to get anything back. <laughs> yeah, true enough, true enough. Well, when we come back, we're going to be road testing some pretty interesting vehicles. Chris, you were driving the Nissan Frontier for an entire week, and I was driving the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. So when we come back, we'll be telling you about both of those vehicles. Stay with us, and we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red back with you for road test time. And I like the vehicles we have this time around. I, I like both of these vehicles kind of from the get-go, but we're going to dive deeply into them. You were driving a midsize pickup truck from Nissan that uh, recently renewed. Tell us about the Nissan Frontier. Yeah, we talked about the Nissan Frontier. Actually, we talk about it frequently when we're when we're giving out recommendations for mid-sized pickup trucks. But Nissan redesigned the pickup in 2022, and Jack, it had been I don't know 15 plus years since it had seen a complete overhaul before then. Uh, but before it did that, it shared the powertrain. So I'm going to talk about it in a moment. But the 3.8 liter V6 in this truck, I think, is a sweetheart, and I think that's owing to the fact that Nissan had a couple extra years to to kind of dial it in. But in any case, this truck starts at just a little bit over $30,000. Jack, my Pro 4X tester was around $44,000. That's range topping with a destination and a few options included as well. So uh, the Pro 4X, if you want to think about it, like in terms of a Toyota truck, it's like a TRD off-road model. Uh, it's got beefier tires, but all of them have the same engine and everything. So uh, let's get into that. So as I mentioned, it's a 3.8 liter V6, 310 horsepower, 281 pound-feet of torque through a nine-speed automatic transmission to all four wheels. Jack, I enjoyed this engine a lot. I found it was pretty responsive. It's very smooth. Uh, fuel economy has been pretty solid this week. Have you driven the Frontier with this engine? And what do you think about it? I have. In fact, I was on the launch and I liked it a lot. It's interesting to me now as this segment evolves that they went to a V6 and that's their only engine choice. We're seeing a lot of other manufacturers use a turbocharged four-cylinder uh, with similar horsepower. Maybe they can tune the torque up a little bit uh, with, with that kind of configuration. So it's interesting to me that the, in, a, in a way this is a bit old school with a, a normally aspirated V6, but it sounds like it works really well. It works just fine. But, you know, I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about Nissan being the first mover with a brand new pickup truck. So now Nissan came out in 2022 with a new Frontier. And then in 2024, they're going to look at Ford and Toyota with new trucks there. And those both have more advanced powertrains. As you mentioned, Ford's got the Turbo 4. Toyota has a hybrid system going into one of its trucks. And then you've got uh, Chevy and GMC. So there's kind of some things kind of going on that aren't that Nissan's going to miss out on unless they issue an update. But Taking a step back, the Pro 4X is the off-road model, so uh, it's a little bit higher in ride height. Like as I mentioned earlier, it's got the beefier tires on it. Uh, that doesn't completely ruin the ride here. I think sometimes you end up getting the feeling, um, like with the Ford Ranger Tremor, that as much as I love that truck, sometimes it feels like it's on stilts a little bit. It's not uh, the most planted feeling with with uh, handling. Granted, this is not going to be a canyon-carving sports car, but it's definitely, uh, it feels planted, it feels confident. There's not like a, a lot of jitteriness, especially here in Maine, where it seems like they refuse to fix the winter potholes. So we're still dealing with all that right now. 
Uh, but inside, this is a five-seat truck. You can get it in a king cab or a crew cab. This is a crew cab configuration, so four full-size doors, uh, seating for five. My tester has the upgraded leather interior package, leather wrap steering wheel, leather wrap shift knob, shift knob, and it's a pretty nice interior, Jack. I don't know if you've uh, compared. I know you've been in the new Frontier, but have you been in the new uh, Ford Ranger Lariat or any of the the higher Tacoma trims? And how do you think the the Frontier compares? You know, I saw the new Ranger. I was on a kind of a, a super secret uh, preview look of the the 2024 Ranger, and it's it's got a very nice interior. But I I think the Frontier interior is a very good one. I think very upscale. Yeah, I agree. And I think Nissan does a good job with their seats. They call them zero gravity. And while I could still feel my bum in the seat, it was certainly very comfortable. And as I mentioned, those potholes didn't have any effect on us. Um, I like Nissan's infotainment, it's kind of shifting gears to that for a moment. Uh, that's very simple. It's easy to use. I, I think that in other vehicles, they've had the dual uh, touchscreen set up and it hasn't worked out that well. Here you get either an eight inch or a nine inch touchscreen. Both of them have Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Uh, you got a bunch of USB ports, including USB-C. You also can get a uh, subscription-based Wi-Fi hotspot and and Wi-Fi and wireless smartphone charging, which my truck does have. Uh, this also had a nine-speaker Fender stereo, which I have mixed emotions about. I feel like it's got a little bit too much bass, but I think if that's your thing, you're going to have just a, pl a good time with that. Uh, you can also get a, a lot of advanced safety features in this truck, so it has blind spot monitoring, forward collision alerts, and everything else. Jack, I think for the money here, uh, I would probably go with the frontier right now if i had to pick a pickup truck out of the crowd but we're going into 2024 as we've said a few times now and the pictures are going to change uh, pretty drastically between now and then so uh, i may change my opinion then jack but for now i think this is probably my pick in the segment yeah and i i still think it's going to be a good value against the the newcomers too i've been writing a lot about the that segment and it stacks up pretty well despite the fact that it came to market early well, uh, despite America's love affair with uh, sport utility vehicles, I think you can say that minivans are probably the best vehicles to haul both people and cargo, uh, if at least in terms of efficiency. Of course, Chrysler claims to have invented the minivan. I might dispute that a little bit. When I was a kid, we drove around in a Chevy Greenbrier that was based on the Corvair, one of the coolest minivans of all time. Uh, so there's that. And of course, there's the, the microbus from Volkswagen as well. But uh, I quibble, and uh, we shouldn't talk about that. What I should talk about is the fact that the Chrysler Pacifica has the differentiator of a plug-in hybrid powertrain, which I think is very useful, 32 miles of electric-only driving range. So if you're doing school shuttles in the, in the Pacifica hybrid, uh, maybe you don't use gasoline you know, all week uh, during the school year, and uh, you uh, use it when you're um, heading out on a family vacation. I was driving the most up-level of them, the Hybrid Pinnacle, and, uh, well, it's kind of pricey, uh, but you can get a, a Pacifica for much less money, under, under $40,000 or so, although, it, you know, as you add stuff, it's going to climb over $40,000, but I think, still think it's a great value for hauling around a lot of folks. And then uh, I'm scrolling here to uh, the Pinnacle, which costs about $60,000 is the base price, really the ultimate Pacifica. It has all kinds of luxury features. I mean, the second row seats were not only captain's chairs, but they had their own matching pillows, you know, little suede pillows there. And I thought, wow, what a, what a cool touch that is. And they're going to get lost really quick if you got kids back there. 18-inch wheels, second row captain's chairs, as I said, quilted leather, uh, dual screen entertainment, wireless streaming, front parking sensors. This is a fully equipped vehicle. Uh, luxury vehicle in a lot of ways. I mean, if you were 
shuttling around the uh, Shah of uh, some uh, Middle Eastern country. <laughs> it would be kind of a, a cool vehicle to do that in. It has a 3.6 liter V6 paired with an electric motor that uses a 16 kilowatt hour battery, as I say, 32 miles of electric only range. I might ask for a little bit more than that, but 32 miles, I guess, is not bad. And if you're, you know, if my wife were still shuttling kids to uh, grade school and high school here, she probably wouldn't need more than 32 miles of range. Very good. Uh, 82 miles per gallon equivalent using gas and electric power. So uh, that's pretty good. A competitive vehicle would be the Toyota Sienna. And I'm going to be driving that in a week's time or so, so we can compare and contrast when I, I come back from that trip. But uh, this is a vehicle I, I liked a lot. Of course, it has the Uconnect 5 infotainment system, which is one of the best in the business out there. Um, I, obviously, I'm liking the Pacifica Hybrid. What's your take on it, Chris? I like the Pacifica Hybrid too, Jack. I think Uconnect 5 is probably the best mass market infotainment system out there right now. I even place it above Ford Sync. Uh, the all-electric range, yeah, 32 miles is not bad, but I got to tell you, the electric sensation when you're sitting in the school pickup and drop-off line, you don't have to shut your car off. You can still get the air conditioning. You can still have heat up here, which is, let me tell you, idling or sitting without heat or sitting without AC is a little bit of a pain. So a great thing for, for parents picking up at school. I think I tell you that. Right. And for long distances, it also has Amazon Fire TV. You know, obviously I was driving, so I didn't uh, sample Amazon Fire TV. And, you know, now with all the different streaming services, I guess I could get Amazon Fire TV. But, we, you know, we use you know, Roku or something like that. So maybe that's a whole different thing you've got to, got to uh, sort out. But you certainly can do it. You can be watching a, a show at home and then get them, you know, get the kids in the car and they can watch the same show as you go off to wherever you're going off to. So I guess that's a good thing. This is a great family vehicle all around. I mean, $60,000, a lot of money. This is super uh, well-equipped though. Uh, you could get one that's probably more like in the forty dollars or $50,000 range. It's a terrific family vehicle. A lot to like about it. I like the plug-in hybrid, especially for a round town kind of running. I just think that, you know, this is a pretty good value with a, a lot of safety equipment as well. I agree. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the uh, Toyota Sienna earlier, which I actually prefer the Sienna's interior design to the uh, Pacifica, but uh, the materials and the, the quality of the high end of those trims, uh, as you mentioned, it's extremely luxurious and it's really hard to beat that. Yeah, they're, they're really taking it to a different level. I guess when you take it to that price level, you also should take the interior to uh, another level, but they've done a nice job. So front-wheel drive in hybrid form, you can get an all-wheel drive, but only in the gas gas model. So uh, that's what's going on with the Chrysler Pacifica hybrid. Chrysler certainly wants to retain a big part of that minivan business, and uh, they pulled out all the stops in this vehicle. So I like it a lot. I think it's going to probably change a little bit going forward. So we'll see what happens with that. Excited to see. Yeah. Well, we have a very interesting guest. Brad Gieske is the chief UX designer at Dodge. We were just talking about infotainment systems, including one that he's responsible for. So we'll be chatting with him about that uh, when we come back. Stay with us for that. And we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. I got this letter from a reader the other day and I thought I'd share it with you. I'm on vacation on the beach in Key Biscayne and just finished reading Dance in the Dark. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great plot and twists I never saw coming. You're really good at creating visual images. Congrats, you made my vacation all that more enjoyable. This is just the kind of feedback an author loves to hear. I'm Jack Nerad, host of America on the Road and the author of Dance in the Dark, a crime novel inspired by true crime. 
Many have told me the dance in the dark has all the realism of fatal photographs, my true crime account of the famous bathing suit model murder case. That's great to hear because dance in the dark is filled with suspense, plot twists, and surprises. But at the same time, it's a believable story in the tradition of writers like James M. Cain, Jim Thompson, and Elroy Leonard. I'm not saying it did happen, but it could have. Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and Kindle ebook form from Amazon.com, and it's available direct from the publisher EMLancy.com as well. If you have a chance, please look for it. If it makes your vacation better, we'll both be happy. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arnie Red at Amazon.com or EMLancy.com. Thanks for giving it a look. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Rad with you. Uh, we're in Asheville, North Carolina, getting the opportunity to drive the all-new Dodge Hornet and talking about something that's uh, kind of dear to us on America on the Road, on the, on the show, and that is infotainment, user experience. We have a, an absolute expert on that. Brad Gieske is UX Design Chief for Dodge and Ram. I've Correct. seen you present many times. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me on, Jack. really appreciate uh, it. This is kind of the newest and latest iteration of UX within Stellantis, uh, you know, within the Dodge brand. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, at Dodge, we work really hard to make sure our experience really pulls out the performance of the vehicle, right? User experience is it's not just about the screens, it's about the content. Uh, it's about inside, outside, all of it coming together with the exterior, the interior of the vehicle and how it all works synergistically. And it's really important for us to make sure that we provide uh, what our customers are asking for and what they need. It's a really complicated task, I've got to believe, with all the things that you have to present and the options that you want to give to drivers and to in, uh, occupants of the vehicle who aren't driving for that matter. Talk about the balancing act that is. It's gotta be pretty tough. Yeah, there's a huge balancing act. And I think the key piece is really, again, going back to w what your customer needs. What really digging into and, and watching and observing uh, how people interact with their vehicles, both good, bad, and otherwise, right? And, and learning from it and being willing to learn from it and be open and be, have a lot of different dialogue with cross-functional team members, right? I come from a design background. Uh, there's a lot of engineering. There's feasibility. There's software development. There's ergonomics, mm -hmm. things of that nature, right? All of it ties together, and it all has to work synergistically to make a product. So it's not like just a phone. It's not just a phone app, right? right. It's a full-bodied experience. Yeah, with multiple screens and beyond, as you mentioned, I mean, yeah. one of the things that you presented that I found really interesting was the driver focus of this. You talked about the display screen that's in front of the driver is the largest screen. Tell yeah. us about that philosophy. Yeah, for Dodge, um, again, coming back, it, performance vehicle is all about the driver. And the best way to set the driver up for success is to put the content that's important for them in right in front of them, right directly in front of them. So uh, with this vehicle, we've we've kind of evolved our our system, if you will, and uh, we we've put the largest display in front, and we have the lots of content for the driver, different drive modes, bringing out the information that's necessary, with some different ways of viewing the information uh, in the cluster speedometer zone, from being able to switch from a hybrid kind of layout uh, to more of a normal layout. Evolved is what we call the more of the hybrid, where it expands the content that's in the center. Um, normal really sets you up with full gauges on the left and right with a speedometer and a tachometer. And then we also have a, a focused version, which really simplifies the whole interface. Right. So it not only is this configurable, because you can Correct. configure what's in that center section, yes. but you also give choices about 
kind of the overall layout and then you can configure within that exactly. context, right? Exactly, and then when you change your uh, drive modes over, uh, different information is, is populated to provide uh, the content. For instance, you can pull up a G-force meter if you're into the performance aspect as you're driving through the mountains or uh, driving on uh, some sort of a course, right? Do you have any sense about the percentage of people who actually go in and, and configure their screens and set these things up the way you would hope they would be? So really there's, uh, there's three types of customers. Uh, there's individuals that w like to just jump in the vehicle and everything just works for them. And so we've really thought about that first time experience and make, trying to make it as uh, meaningful as possible. And uh, as you change from, let's say, one drive mode to the other, th there's a certain amount of content that changes for them to support that experience. Uh, same with uh, ADAS, right, when they're, when they're invoking their ADAS controls. Um, in Advanced the driver assistance systems. Correct, <laughs> correct, thank you. Um, and uh, in the radio, same thing. So we have a home screen, which is personalized. Uh, and if you don't want to do anything, you don't have to. It, it, it remembers some of the things that are going on. It remembers uh, some of the layouts that you, you know, choose if you start modifying things. It just remembers it, saves it to your profile. Um, but it's really, really simple. You don't have to change anything. It's, it's very well laid out. And this is a vehicle that's liable to have multiple drivers, right? So Correct. you enable that, I think. Exactly, and, and with that, uh, again, some individuals like to just jump in, drive, saves their profile. You have somebody else that likes to go in and change everything. They can change everything, set it up to their profile, therefore, you know, husband-wife combination, whoever, how many ever drivers there may be, they have exactly what they want and what they need. And then we have the third driver that likes to change it on the fly. They like to, you know, you know, you have a different driving condition that day that, hey, I want to bring up G-Force because I want to be driving through the mountains and really experiencing Well, that. and let's talk about that because uh, it's easy to think of these things in, in a static sense, but this is mm -hmm. a, a vehicle that's going to be in motion and you might be going 70 miles an hour or Correct. so as you're using yes. this experience. Talk yes. about the special challenges that presents. Oh, it's a huge challenge. Uh, driver distraction is a key thing that we look for. Um, so there are certain things in our system that we don't allow the customer to go too deep, right? We want to keep everything first surface. Again, that home screen is a perfect opportunity for that. <clears throat> we challenged ourselves to try to make everything work within, um, in our system in general. We always challenged ourselves to everything has to work in two steps. And on the home screen, we, we, went, we took it a step further and said, how can we make it all work in one step, right? So how can... I just reach over and I need the heated seat button and that's something that's really important to me. <clears throat> and oh yeah, by the way, I want my favorite presets and I want my media there. Um, I swipe across and the next homepage, maybe it, it has my navigation and my comfort controls uh, for, for climate. So you can really set it up however you want and that's really important to us uh, because we don't want to distract the driver. It's very, very important. And Ultimately, the, the individuals in our vehicles, they have a task at hand, and the task is a very serious one. We want to provide the right information for them uh, at, at a timely manner and make sure that it's in the right locations and they're not having to fumble through. And, right. And give this uses the, I think, the latest iteration of Uconnect 5, or Uconnect 5. It does. Are there all Uconnect, are there multiple Uconnect 5s, or is, is there just Uconnect 5 and there is, this is it? There is just Uconnect 5. There's okay. different size displays. Okay. And there's different types of content. So. Uh, we have a 10.1 inch display in our Dodge Durango, for instance. Uh, we have the 10.25 inch, which is on our Dodge Hornet that we shared today. Uh, we have... You couldn't um, get them to be the same, could you? <laughs> well, they sound the same, but they're not. Uh, yeah. The aspect ratios are different. Ah. So uh, the the 10.1 inch is actually a uh, 16 by 10 aspect ratio, more like a movie. 
Um, what's in the Dodge Hornet is more of an ultra wide screen. Okay. So it's not quite as tall and it's wider. Wider. So it's, um, and then of course, you, as I lead up Ram, uh, we have uh, a 12 inch portrait screen in our Ram trucks today. And that's a Uconnect 5 system as well. And the system basically can configure to different sizes. And we worked really hard to build the core system that works for the different experiences necessary for all of our products. And those screens were specifically chosen uh, for those products for the experience portion. What's that kind of under the hood that makes all that stuff work? I mean, we, we hear about speed, yeah. computing power, all of that stuff, responsiveness. Yep. Talk about that. Yeah, there's hardware and software involved. So our Uconnect 5 system is based on an Android, so the operating system. Uh, but we spent a lot of time working uh, to build it from the ground up um, to make it our system. It's really an evolution off of our Uconnect 4 system. We took what was great out of our Uconnect 4. We took the areas where maybe it just gotten built on too much and we tried to melt and repour certain areas and we worked really hard to make it all come together and feel like a true evolution uh, where our customers feel very confident and comfortable within the system but they don't there are new new opportunities and new spaces so it is challenging to build the system to design it to uh, to do all those things but it's a challenge that we love to take on and again coming back to the cross-functional team it, it takes a lot of different skill sets and we worked with partners from the t a lot of teams out in Silicon Valley, TomTom, Tom, of course, with our navigation system, SiriusXM. It, it, it's great, I mean. Yeah. Well, and I want to talk to you about yeah. navigation. Yeah. You know, I think people use their navigation very frequently. I mean, yes. it, it's kind of surprising to me how often I use navigation, even to do things like find my way home, which I, oh, presumably I know how to do. Absolutely. Talk about that. Uh, for me, navigation is one of those key things. I, I like to know where I'm at. Um, me personally, I actually love pulling it up into the, the driver zone. And we have that ability in the Dodge Hornet where you can just have it there. And therefore, you know, if, if I have a passenger riding with me and they want to change the music or the whatever, they can go wherever they need to go. But I have the information that I want, which is the nav map. You know, there's, there's different types of, I guess there's really two main use cases for nav, right? In route and not in route. I, right. For me, I love knowing where I'm at. I, I love it up all the time. I love the estimated time of a that's I, great. I, you know, for some reason, that means something to me. I'm not quite sure why, but I, I think it's helpful. I, I think it um, it helps uh, it helps guide you and, and feel comfortable about uh, somebody calls you on the phone. You're like, hey, I'm going to be there at this time, right? You, you, you put some structure. Right. Does this use real traffic information, or is this not a, a real traffic? Kind there, of there is a, there is an add-on that you get originally with the vehicle that does have traffic information as part of it. And uh, yeah, so you get real live traffic yeah. data. Yeah. I'll tell you, when you live in Southern California, as I do, real traffic is, is yes. useful. What are some of the things about uh, the user experience in the Dodge Hornet that you think are particularly good? I think the, uh, the crispness of just the graphics, I, I think we worked really hard on that aspect. I, I think, um, it, you know, the, the different experiences when it comes to the content you can pull up and where you put it. Uh, it, it's really about having the right information in the right spots, and, and we, we work really hard to try to make that fairly intuitive for our customers. Yeah. Well, I'm terrific. Well, Brad Gieske, thanks so much for being with us. We yeah. do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jack. appreciate you having me on today. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Redback with you, and this is the portion of the program where we answer questions from our listeners. We are here to help and uh, provide you with good information about the car industry, about cars you might want to buy, used cars, new cars, uh, whatever. 
Uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's very easy to reach us. You can send a, a message to us at editor at drivingtoday.com, editor at drivingtoday.com, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming show. Uh, we'd appreciate hearing from you. If you have some comments for us, especially if they're positive, <laughs> we'd like to hear them. But even if they're not positive, we'd like to hear those too. So get in touch with us. Here's a question, Chris, that I'll, I'll put to you. This is from Roxanne in Monterey, California. She says this, I found the discussion of biogas from waste products on last week's show pretty interesting. Can you give us more details on how it works? Well, Jack, I'm looking forward to keeping my gas car on the road for as long as possible with this with fuel, but I'm going to let you answer because I think you have a better handle on what it actually is than I do. Well, I did some research on this. I have the benefit of having done some research and uh, I did some research about a, a company called California Bioenergy. And I think what they do is kind of representative of, of what a lot of these companies do. They produce renewable natural gas, RNG, and for use as a vehicle fuel, they also use it to generate electricity. So it could power electric vehicles, of course. And here's what they do. I've got a, this is a drawing from information on their website, kind of step-by-step step of what they do. First, they collect waste. <laughs> Uh, from mostly from dairy farms, uh, manure, stuff like that. It, it goes into a digester um, and um, they separate stuff in the digester. The digester is what's making all this. Then they capture biogas, which consists mostly of methane, and that would have been released into the atmosphere. And this is where it, it's uh, good for the environment and kind of uh, against global warming because uh, methane is a, a very serious kind of uh, greenhouse gas. Then it produces renewable energy. This methane becomes um, useful as a, a as a vehicle fuel, uh, maybe to keep your Volkswagen, you know, uh, going well beyond uh, when we're using uh, fossil fuels. Uh, and then, as I say, they also use it to. Uh, generate electricity. And then they use the byproducts of this as fertilizer. So that's good. So, you know, a lot of good things going on. I mean, it's using stuff that's basically wasted, just thrown away and goes into uh, dumps or is buried somewhere. And instead, we're creating energy from it. And I think it's, it's pretty useful. I, I like the idea. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. So uh, I hope that helps Roxanne a little bit, understand that a little bit better. Here's a question where I, I think you're going to have some good answers, Chris, because you're always on top of this stuff. And Kurt in Cody, Wyoming asks this, what are some 2024 models you're particularly interested in seeing and driving? I am, and this is going to surprise you, Jack, fantastically excited about General Motors for the next two to three years. I think they are really going to, at least I hope, if, the, if their paper roadmap comes to fruition, they're going to be a very exciting car on maker to watch. So uh, their Ultium platform, we're going to see two brand new electric pickup trucks from them, the, the Silverado EV that we discussed earlier, the GMC Sierra EV. Uh, we'll probably see another Hummer variant from them. Then we've got small SUVs, the Chevy Equinox and the Chevy Blazer coming. Uh, we've got a Cadillac EV. We've got the, the Escalade IQ coming out. Uh, so this is a very exciting time to be a fan. Oh, and not even to mention the fact that they partnered with Honda and Acura to provide the, the platform for their electric uh, SUVs. So uh, I'm really watching General Motors. I think outside of that, Jack, Porsche and Volkswagen Group, as you probably knew I was going to say, are very exciting to me. The Porsche Macan EV is expected in 2024. I think if they any, get anywhere near to the handling and the driving excitement that they achieved with the gas model with that, it's going to be a very, very awesome SUV. 
Yeah, I, a lot of cool stuff is coming. And uh, like you, I'm excited about what's going on at uh, General Motors. We t- I talked earlier in the show, though, about kind of they launch products and then you almost forget that they were launched. I was at a, an unveiling of the Blazer EV so long ago, I can't even remember how long ago it was. It, it seems like it was a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a cool looking vehicle. I'm really excited about what it's going to be when it finally comes to market. I'm hoping it's priced that a lot of people can afford to buy one. I'm a, a little bit concerned about that. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the Corvette E-Ray. <laughs> that will be really interesting to see. Not a full on electric Corvette, but essentially a a hybrid Corvette that should be pretty cool. And then there's the new Mustang. I mean, uh, that's already been launched. That's out there. I mean, uh, I've been to unveilings of that, but I'm going to drive that fairly soon. So I'm I'm excited to drive all the the Mustangs. And it's interesting to me that Ford is sticking with that when it seems like, I guess that's the only Ford car uh, that they still sell in the United States, if I'm not mistaken, or, or certainly in any kind of volume. Yeah, you know, it's really funny that they're holding on to the gas Mustang at a time when Dodge, the, the people who jammed the Hellcat motor into literally everything they could fit it into, are moving away from that, So, or at least moving away from it so prominently. So uh, I can't wait to see and drive the new Mustang. It still looks good, though, uh, gas or not. Right. Another vehicle I'm a little excited to, to see is the Fisker Ocean. I'm, I've known Henrik for a long time. Uh, they're actually based in, in my hometown, I, you know, uh, kind of startlingly. So that's going to be interesting. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, pretty interesting stuff going up. I think there's going to be a, a Wrangler that's um, pretty seriously redone, too, from Jeep. So we'll, we'll see what that is all about. But uh, pretty cool stuff coming. So I'm excited to see what we're going to see. And uh, let's take uh, one more question. Uh, This is from Zippy, Zippy in Indianapolis. Do you think we will see tinkering on EVs the way we have seen on regular cars, or will all that go away? Uh, I have a kind of a double-edged sword, maybe a double-edged answer to this. I think that tinkering with EVs will go the same way that tinkering with gas cars has gone in recent years. You know, you think about... Um, I own a Volkswagen Golf R. I can't even modify the air intake without the, the computer registering that and logging it somewhere so that if I ever file a warranty complaint, uh, I can have a problem with it. And the same thing is with with electric vehicles, right? You know, Dodge a few, maybe a year ago or so, came out and said we can manage uh, what you can and can't modify with the software on the car. And I think that's only going to be more prominent when every part of the car um, is digital. So I think that's, that's really going to be the thing that's not going to stop people from doing this, Jack. I think people have been tinkering on things since the beginning of time and warranty be damned, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's going to happen. The other thing with electrics, though, is you don't have to worry about emissions. They're emission free, right? So you're not changing an emission system. And I think that's one of the reasons that car companies are so adamant about not modifying vehicles. They don't want a diesel gate or something like that uh, occurring. So It'll be interesting to see what goes on. But, uh, you know, Americans love to tinker with their cars. I think they're going to mess around with their electric cars just the way they've messed around with gas cars. I think we're going to see that going forward. Well, tell us what's going on at yourtestdriver.com. We're still growing, Jack, and we're still posting extra content. We've got, like I mentioned last week, we've got some great writers, or a few weeks ago, we have some great writers producing excellent list content for us. Uh, And we're getting more into consumer guides now, so you'll find things about car seats and gas quality and towing numbers and all sorts of great stuff. So uh, I hope you come check us out, subscribe to our newsletter. We do great giveaways, and uh, yeah, we're growing strong. Yeah, do that. Visit yourtestdriver.com. Very great site. Chris uh, responsible for a lot of the content and then uh, other great writers doing that too. 
If you are looking for a summer read, Dance in the Dark is my latest crime thriller. It's now available as a paperback and Kindle edition. It's on Amazon, of course. It's a suspense thriller, and it's a follow-up to my true crime book, Fatal Photograph, so you might want to have a look at that. It's available from E.M. Lancey and, of course, from uh, Amazon.com as both a paperback and a, an ebook. Uh, if you like America on the Road, please don't just listen. Oh, we, we appreciate that, but uh, appreciate that very much. But also pass it on. Uh, tell folks what radio station you hear the show on Saturday mornings. Uh, tell them where you get the podcast and uh, you can pass it along to them. Uh, that's a give them a little sample, a free sample. Here's a little gift. The gift of Chris Teague uh, would be terrific. So look for that. Uh, look for stuff uh, from various sources. Right, Chris? Yeah, if you go to the sportsmapradio.com webpage there, you can find us on the Saturday morning schedule and you can download our podcast from all the major platforms as well as a formatted radio version of the show. Uh, we hope to follow, hope, we hope we hope you follow us on all the platforms, though. That helps us out quite a bit. Yeah, and if you like the show, that helps us. Uh, if you officially like it by hitting that like button or giving us a five-star rating, that's terrific. So we would very much appreciate that. And we very much appreciate you joining us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Rad, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.